is episode 117 of Hebrews in Exile with our honorable teacher, Robert B. Holman Jr. and Sean Appleton. And you know, I was trying to think of a clever way or a clever introduction to this podcast, and I couldn't come up with anything because there's so many topics that we cover in this podcast it would actually just extend upon the time that I actually have to make an introduction for it. So I'm just going to let you listen to what we have to say. So Hebrews in exile, you know what we do. Let's go. You're the harvest. You're my light. You're creation. You make everything right. Be more this is Rabbi Robert B. Holman Jr. and Sean Appleton, and this is Hebrews, Hebrews in, in Exile. Exile. It's interesting that when I talk and when I teach things and when the Ruach HaKodesh, the, the set-apart spirit, moves me to say things, People don't really grasp the weight of what I'm saying. Mm-hmm. I would totally agree with you. I'm in a kind of the same spot sometimes. And um, it's my 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 mind. My mind mm-hmm. is within the realm of the most highest thoughts. Yeah, yeah. When you're in that moment and the Most High is imparting something to you in real time, it's something to, it's, it's, you get a, a, a extra added benefit because obviously you're, you're receiving it. But, you know, it's always, like yeah. you're saying, sometimes people don't, don't get it because they're not. Because they don't get it because. Tuned. Yeah. And I'm not, well. My father had a saying. <laughs> he said, it's a poor dog who don't wag his own tail. Right. Right, right. But the thought process and the inspiration of the set-apart spirit, when we're talking about things that are germane to him mm-hmm. and the historical events that have taken place since the creation of time we don't stop and think about sure um, sure this past Shabbat I was teaching from the book of Yeshayahu chapter 40 comfort ye comfort ye my people and I started off that lesson by starting in Daniel chapter like, like nine, 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 you're right, with Daniel's conversation with the Most High, mm-hmm. defining the status of where the people of Israel were, not him, but he included himself in the context, Mm -hmm. says, we have done wickedly. That's right. And we talked about this issue Mm -hmm. of wickedness. Mm -hmm. I brought an analogy out of the book of Bereshit with a deluge understanding uh, Mo Better (laughs) 
more better. The narrative. <laughs> this is so cold. That <laughs> Noah was oh, dealing with for 120 years. Yes, he did. 120 years. He was telling these people. Stiff neck folk, yeah. And the people that he was talking to <laughs> was Negroes. <laughs> <laughs> right. <laughs> Melanated people. Mm-hmm. They weren't white people. Mm-hmm. So don't let don't let don't let the Sunday school teacher fool you <laughs> and show you a picture of a bunch of white folks. Yeah, it, it wasn't white folks. It All was, that imagery that was, yeah that you get it, in your vacation Bible no, school. That was, ain't it. That ain't it. It was <laughs> it was it was black peoples, <laughs> right? Black peoples. Uh huh. Noah has preached to them for 120 years mm. that it's gonna rain going to be a flood. Mm-hmm. And you all need to repent. And the supplemental text, mm-hmm. the supplemental text, talks about how Noah followed the instructions of the Most High, built the ark, loaded it with two pairs of unclean animals, seven pairs of clean animals, and his family. Mm-hmm. And then the supplemental tax. People go, what is the supplemental tax? What are you talking about, the supplemental tax? <laughs> <laughs> oh, yeah. The book of Yasher. You know, you know I, like, I like the way you phrase that. I'm going to use that from here on out. Ex- supplemental. Explains how the Most High brought the day of judgment upon them. Mm-hmm. Text says that the heavens above and the heavens beneath opened up and the earth shook. And it shook the boat that Noah and the animals were in to such an extent that even the animals cried out in fear. And Noah cried out in fear, mm-hmm. asking the Most High to stop it, so to speak. Mm. And the text goes on to say that, and yet with all of that, the people continued in wickedness. And that's, that's a key word. They continued, they continued in, in, in wickedness. wickedness. Now, what is you, wickedness? If you go, if you go to <laughs> our YouTube channel and listen to the narrative that I taught this past weekend, it's there on YouTube. Isaiah, Yeshayahu, chapter forty. Wickedness has to be defined within the definition of how the Most High uses the word wicked. Mm -hmm. Not to say that how people define it within the constraints of where we are in life and the things that go on around us. There's a lot of wicked people Mm -hmm. around us who do wicked things. Yes. That's inclusive 
with the Most High's definition of wicked. Mm-hmm. However, the Most High defines any human being that he has created that does not walk their life or live their life according to his mitzvot's his rules and his instructions, he defines those people as being wicked. Mm. Such was the case with the people in Noah's day. Sure. But not only in Noah's day, also was the mindset of people that were pre-Noah's age, period. So wickedness in this context has always been a part of man and his relationship with the Most High. And then you read in the text, when you read in, in, in text and it says, and they did that which was wicked in the eyes of the Most High, mm-hmm. then you got to ask yourself, what is that wickedness? Right. And that wickedness is not walking and living your life within the framework of being a good person, Mm -hmm. being moral and ethical, Mm -hmm. and living your life according to the teachings of the Most High El. Yeah. That's wickedness. Yeah, and and it's it's a great explanation because it provides some clarity to say that when you hear that word, if you hear us talking about a person or or a group of people and we're calling them wicked, you have to really be cognizant of the fact of the definition upon which and the context that we're using. The definition that the world uses, like you eloquently put, the definition of what the world uses is not the same context that we're using it in. Yeah, it's not... It's not in the same context, but it can be systemic too. To it, correct? Yeah, because because some of that action, yeah, is is deplorable right. in the sight of right. of the Most High. But this right. is, like you said, you're not. You come out factory default away that the Most High has designed you. You're supposed to walk in that particular way, and I, govern yourself that I, way. I, I, am, th- I am going. I'm going. I am going to speak into existence, and I don't particularly care. I hope it does go viral. <laughs> yeah. Donald Trump is a wicked person. Mm. There isn't there isn't a there isn't a pleasant fiber of thought or content of thinking in him toward fellow man unless it has something that's going to benefit him. And that's wickedness. Yeah, I'm so totally greed greed is is driving and amongst and we, other things, and, and we may list, we may lose a few viewers, or listeners, but uh, I don't understand for the life of me how a nation under under I'm going to use the use the terminology a nation under God with liberty and justice for all can think in their mind that they want to elect an individual to govern them that espouses wickedness. Well, okay. Well, maybe I'm going to be out of bounds for saying this. What is the United States in in this westernized culture? What are what is the majority of the United States? They're Christian. It's a Christian country. 
And they governed themselves by this de democratic way of saying, we elect this person to be in front of us. It's no different from in Hebrews chapter seven, where they said, we are electing this individual to be our God. So there's nothing that's, in my all, all opinion, you may disagree, uh, that has changed from that Christian narrative to say that, yes, it, it holds true. This is the leader that we want in front of us because it depicts what we want at the end of the day. Who is supported by fundamental, by, by fundamental Christians. Yeah, that have and a... And if, if you have fundamental Christians supporting another individual who is wicked, what does that make them? That's right, right. Because we can emphatically prove where your God that you follow did not follow the mitzvot. And if by definition, we're simply here saying that it is a violation or wickedness is defined by not walking in the ways of the most high. And I have examples of this individual not. Well, now you're talking, now you're talking about what's taking place in, in, in John chapter, 1 John or 2 John chapter 3 that says uh, um, sin is a... Sin is defined as a violation of the law. Yeah. That's exactly what it says. And, and then, that's in their text. And that's, and that's, that's in their text. So, so when we talk about these kinds of things, uh, and we look back at Noah's situation, mm -hmm. when the flood finally came, the luge finally came to the point that they could no longer stand stand in it. The supplemental text they were said they beat on the doors and asked Noah to let them in. Mm -hmm. But their cry for wanting to get in was not a cry that was based upon their desire to repent. Right. That wasn't that wasn't the yeah. reason why they were knocking on the door. Not at all. They were knocking on the door because they wanted to be saved. Right. They didn't want to drown. That's right. The reason why they're knocking at the door is because they wanted to be, to be saved. saved. So we use this word "saved" within this religious um, constraint because that's what Christians want to do. They want to be saved, and they go to church because they want to be. They don't want to go to hell. It's not that they want to repent from their wrongdoing. That's right. I don't want to go to hell. That's right. If there was such a place. Right. See, I can, <laughs> I, I can help you out. I can help them out and, and tell you that there is, there is no such place as hell. Mm -hmm. you, you, when, you, when you go to Bereshit chapter 1 and you read chapter 1, chapter 2, Two yeah. chapter 3, chapter 4, when the Most High got through creating all things, there's no, there's no discussion that he created a place called hell. Exactly. And you would think as, as a place that's as important to you and as renowned to you as, as, as hell is in your mind, you have to ask yourself, uh, he didn't create, no, there's no, he didn't create a hell. That's right. And then if you take it a step Just further. Just like he didn't create a devil. That's right. If you take it a step further, you can say, well, there was no need to create hell at that particular time because oh. there was no sin in the world. Okay. And again, that's your position, but you got to take it a step further. When oh. sin did enter the world, there's no mention of it. There's mention of, of what? There's the, the, the serpent, not the devil. 
that was cursed to the ground. He got his curse. He got his comeuppance. Matter of fact, the Most High hasn't the Most High hasn't changed from day one. Soon as sin entered the world, what does he start doing? Y'all are going to have to make an atonement for what you did. Yep. So your atonement is you're going to get cursed to the ground. Your atonement is you're going to have labor pains. Your atonement is you're going to work this dirt. It's not going to yield what it needs to yield for you. But even still staying with the, with the subject matter at hand, hell is not mentioned. Nowhere is no, it. And it's not in the text. supplemental text it's where it's nowhere. mentioned either, where nowhere, the most high just makes there. it. So the idea that we're dealing with is that people when they find themselves face to face with judgment, mm. with judgment from the Most High, mm -hmm. then they want to turn. But they want to turn not with the idea of embracing with love and embracing with a sense that says, this is something I want to do. No, now I'm in a situation where this is something I have to do mm -hmm. and I don't want to die and I don't want to go to hell, so now I'm giving my life to Christ. Right, 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 right. Which, they make it real appealing to do such because he doesn't require, this. that's the narrative, it doesn't require anything other than this particular confession, but... You know, like like we've always been stated, that's not how the Most High acts. That's no, not His no. character. That's not no. His behavior. There is an atonement for the things that you must pay. For. You must pay for the things that you which, which, which you break. Now, yeah. which is not to say that the Most High is not compassionate. Sure, it's not to say that He's not long suffering. Sure, not to say that He's not merciful. He's all of those things. I mean, let's go back to Noah again. Mm -hmm. <laughs> he put up with the stench, for the stink, and the stuff for 120 years. Absolutely. And if we look, if we look past Noah into the generations that follow after him, there is a whole lot of text in which that the Most High continually repeats and says, and they did with that which was wicked in the eyes of the Most High, even to this very day. Yeah. I, I mean, I would attest. So, yeah. go ahead. So, so if we're going to talk about the Most High being uh, long-suffering, mm -hmm. being patient, being compassionate, being loving, he's all of those things. But there's a point in time in which that he calls it. Sure. And judgment falls. If he said, if the Most High said in text, in our text, not in your text, not in the Greek text, mm -hmm. but if the Most High said in our text that he is going to pronounce judgment on wickedness, mm -hmm. then that's what's going to happen. Absolutely. And it's just a matter of timing mm -hmm. when it's going to happen. See, you know, you, you, made, you had a buzzword that's in there that resonated with me with this issue of grace and long-suffering. And if you look at the text, and that's all you can see is a, an, an Elohim, Yahweh, Eye, Eshe, Eye, and all he's doing is issuing judgment. That's, that's all you can see. That's, not, that's part of it. That's part. But that's, the, grand, 
the grand scale of the way that the Most High operates, you're experiencing it right now because you're living in a day and age where grace is abounding. Oh, absolutely. Where long suffering. He's more long suffering. Oh, yes. More gracious, more, more kind, compassionate. He he loves his people in so much enough to grant you enough time, more than 120 years, to get it right. If you want to weigh what you see in the text as him just being this tyrant dictator, that's the wrong way to look at it because you're not ex you're living in the experience of the Most High being gracious to you now. Exactly. And because of that, that's why I have so much adoration for the Most High because if the Most High was to speak, oh, <laughs> now you couldn't stand it. No. And and not only. If the Most High was to speak now, you couldn't stand it, and there wouldn't be a there wouldn't be an empty chair in any church in the world. Sure wouldn't. Sure wouldn't. Wouldn't be an empty church. You know what? It takes me back. It takes me back to the time when uh, JFK, President ah, Kennedy, yeah. was president of the United States, mm -hmm, mm -hmm. and Russia was bordering out in the Atlantic off the coast of Florida. Hmm. And they had ships that were that were staged out there and what have you, and there was this big bluff going on for, I don't know for how long. Mm -hmm. But during, the t during that particular time in history, uh, people may not remember, but during that particular time in history, you couldn't find an empty seat in anybody's church. Really? Huh. Because they thought the end was coming, and they thought they thought that the end was coming. World War Three was about to break open with Russia, and with uh, because what had happened was Kennedy had made a a declaration to him: move them or lose them, so to speak. Mm -hmm. Move them or lose them. Okay. And it was a it was a it was a tit for tat kind of a bluffing kind of thing, and. During those weeks, man, people were people were in church. They were crying out to God and what have you. And then the situation went away, and they went back to doing what they were doing. Yeah. Wow. 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 I need to. I need to do some research on that. Now, it's interesting. So, with all this being said, I'm thinking about this idea of redemption. And there was a song that we used to sing in the choir. Redeemed, redeemed, I've been washed in the blood of the Lamb. Redeemed, redeemed. No, there's a song, no, there, no, there's a song in my heart that the angels can sing. Redeemed, redeemed. You know, we used to sing that. <laughs> And no, no, well, I'm, I'm, let me tell you. No, I was laughing huh. at the because you said you put them lyrics in and you said, I've been washed in the blood of the Lamb. And I'm sitting here saying to myself, as Ibir now listening to that, I'm like, really? Yeah. Come yeah, on. Yeah. But yeah. anyway, go ahead. That's a good, <laughs> I that's a good song. Mm -hmm. I mean, at the time, it was at a good the time, song. yeah. But when we hear the religious world talking about, they've been redeemed, the question that I ask, what have you been redeemed from? And they say, well, 
I've been redeemed from sin. Now put a pin in that. Yeah. I've been, redeemed, that. Yep. I've been redeemed from sin. Mm. Mm. Now, I thought in my mind, I said, but wait a minute. If you've been redeemed from sin, then why does the text say, if we say we have no sin, we lie and the truth is not in us? Mm. So if, that's, if it's saying that, then I haven't been redeemed from sin. Very true. So now the question becomes one, what, how does the Most High think about redeem and redemption? And I, I wanted to look up and see a definition of what, um, of how the, not, not so much what um, um, a Webster dictionary had to say, but what the religious uh, dictionaries had to say about the word redeem. Mm -hmm. To fulfill or carry out a pledge or promise. Make good, mm. to execute, retrieve, reclaim, buy back, rescue, and to compensate. Mm -hmm. When I thought about the Most High's usage of the word redeem and redemption, uh, and I did a, I did a word search. Oh, in the, in our in our text. Yeah. When I do a word search there, and I bring up this word redeem um, in our history. Well, no, let me go back not to history. Let me look at the our text and whole. Yeah, because we got we got mitzvahs that talk about that particular word. Yeah, so the idea of redemption goes back to the first place in text that it was used. Do we all go all the way back to we have better to go, sheet? We have to go, we have to, it's a Shemot. It's in Shemot, okay. Yeah. In Exodus, okay. It's in Shemot. I think Shemot's the first time, the first place in text where the word <coughs> redeemed okay. is used. Let's see, where you at in Shemot? Six. 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 Okay, remote, Shemot six. And by, by definition, what I've just expressed, mm -hmm. the word is, is quantitative. Mm. It has quantitative, uh, it has a quantitative application. It's a, it's a verb, it's an action word mm -hmm. that's germane to something and to people as the Most High sees this word to be. In Shemot chapter 6, verse 6, and, I'm, and we're talking about this all within the context of this idea of wickedness and, and mm. how, how do I, how do I uh, um, reverse the, the aspect of wickedness to get into a place where 
I have an opportunity to not just be saved mm-hmm. because I don't want to go to hell mm. or in Noah's time because I didn't want to drown. Mm-hmm. Okay? Mm-hmm. What is this thing that's, that's called redeemed? Mm. So he says, Therefore say to the people of Israel in chapter 6, in verse 6 of Shemot, which is Exodus. Hmm. I am Yahweh. I will free you from forced, from the forced labor of the Egyptians, rescue from their, their oppressions, and redeem you with an outstretched, an outstretched arm mm-hmm. and with great judgment. Mm-hmm. I will take you as my people. That's those are those are all words of action. Yes. Correct. So Correct. so when we look at the idea of of re, of redemption in that context it's something that you can see it's something that you can feel. It's something that you can equate. Being redeemed by the blood of somebody's somebody's blood doesn't fit the narrative because it doesn't, in the context that it's used over there, it doesn't change anything. Correct. Right. I can agree if with that. If you tell me that you're redeemed from sin... But then you tell me if we say we have no sin, we lie and the truth is not in us, then you haven't been redeemed from sin. That's correct. Makes sense. Makes sense. And then if you're going to tell me that a man is is dying for your sins and by that he's redeeming you by his blood, that doesn't fit. That doesn't fit any narrative that is written in the Hebrew text. No, but then you would know that. That yeah. They would know that because number one, they don't study the Hebrew text and they think that they think that you know, I get tired of talking about this guy. They think that he comes on the scene and he nullifies the complete contract that the Most High has made with humanity writes a new contract and 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 makes you believe that okay I got you, I got this mm-hmm. I got this for you mm-hmm. I'm going to I'm going to redeem you from whatever it is that he said he said you're not going to be redeemed from I'm going to redeem you from that Mhm mhm Yeah that, that. I mean I, I mean I mean are you hearing are you hearing are you hearing the 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 disconnection or the illogic the illogical application of what's being believed what's being believed is that a man can shed his blood and redeem you from the sin that you committed which our text says that every man who sins must pay the price for his own sin, and I'm paraphrasing. Yeah, yeah. There is an but atonement. But that's in. Yeah. But that's but that's in that's in the, in the in the Hebrew text. That's right, and it gives you yeah it gives you a litany of things that 
in order to do that. But uh, again, it, it doesn't bode well and doesn't make sense that you're going to use an individual to redeem you from something and then turn around. It just seems to me, and I'm speaking just really right now, it, like, it, his redemption of you is in vain because if you're supposed to be redeeming you from, again, from a life of sin, and then like you just so eloquently put, you, uh, if you have sin and you lie, then what was his death for? That doesn't make, it kind of makes it in vain. And when you keep continuing to do that. But again, it doesn't, that's why I'm saying, when you get back over into the Hebrew text and you start looking at it and you say, okay, this makes sense. This makes perfect alignment with reality, what actually happens and why the Most High act, functions the way he does. But then we have this, I have this cognitive dissonance now trying to reconcile why this is, when we understand what we stand, why would you go that route? It makes no sense. Well, for one reason, <clears throat> you would go that route because it's like this it's this thought process. There's a big concert coming to town. Okay. Big concert. Big concert. Okay. Everybody's going. All right. But I don't I can't buy a ticket. But this guy said, I'm going to redeem, I'm going to redeem a ticket for you so you can go. Mm. I'm going to get you your ticket so you can go. Hmm. Not by, okay, got it, got it, got it. See? Got it, that makes sense. Yeah, see, I'm going to do this for you. So you don't, so you don't, you don't have to pay the price of the ticket. I'm going to pay the price of the ticket for you so you can go. See, but that also adds in another element there as well that I want to run by you. Because someone else is doing it for you, you don't have an appreciation for what they had to go through in order to get you that ticket. So say, for instance, I use this analogy <laughs> at work. When I tell somebody, I say, hey, listen, you know, if you were to go out here, you work every day, you go out and you, you save and invest your hard-earned money to go get a vehicle, and you get this vehicle and I ask you, can I use it? And you say to me, yes, you can use it, but you better return it to me the way that I gave it. Because the reason you're saying that is because you have a deep appreciation of all the work that you had to go through in order to get it. Now, I could go take this vehicle and I could just damage it and do whatever I want to because I don't have the same appreciation. It just was given to me for a certain amount of time. You don't have an appreciation for those mitzvots because somebody has stood in the gap supposedly and taking them away so you don't have to appreciate them. And so therefore, your ability to understand the most high and, under, and respect and fear him is not there because you don't know what it means to go through all of the things that we go through in order to, to show our adoration because we follow that text that says, if you love me, not that's in the other side, but it's true for us, but that's appealing to the Most High. If you love me, you'll keep my commands. And we do that. We love the Most High and we keep his commands. Even though the other side is talking about Christ, we acquiesce to the fact that we love the Most High and we do the commands, so you, we respect you said something. You said something, though. 
You said something. <laughs> you said something. Because it doesn't cost you anything. That's right. You don't appreciate. You don't. It didn't cost you anything. Now, hold on to that thought <laughs> for a minute. When you said that, I started laughing. I'm going, well, if so-called religious people continue to sin mm -hmm. because they have this freedom because somebody else is taking care, is paying the price for their sin, yeah. then they keep on sinning. That's right. Because they don't appreciate the price that supposedly have been paid to supposedly redeem them. But once again, buy back um, to adhere to a, a promise. Mm -hmm. Exodus chapter 13. 13, okay. Now this is this also gets to be quantitative. 13. 13 one? Where we no, 13 and 13. 13 13. Every firstborn from a donkey you are to redeem with a lamb. But if you choose not to redeem it, you must break its neck. But for the people you are to redeem Every firstborn son. Mm -hmm. What's he talking about? Mm -hmm. It's a mitzvah. That's right. Yeah, he's, he's talking about a mitzvah. Yeah, he is. What's he talking about? He must redeem every firstborn son. Why do I need to re redeem every firstborn son? Mm -hmm. Come on. Let's talk about it. Talk about it. <laughs> You got it. <laughs> well, I know you was gonna put this on me. <laughs> you, but, you, but, but see, you because I went through it. You've talked, but you've talked about it before. You've not only talked about it before, but you've also done it. Yeah, and 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 literally, and and but and the only reason I'm bringing the text up mm -hmm. is because the text once again is quantitative about something. It's not something that's superficial. Right, it's it's something that's that's very. It, it's something that's quantitative. It's 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 talking about an action that you can you can put your finger on. Mm -hmm. It's not it's not something out there. Yeah, it's something that's you know yeah germane to the text. I mean, if, the way that I taught at least, at least presented it before was. In the in the same vein of saying, "Hey, listen! All the firstborn are designated for the Most High." And in well, the now when you say designated, the first every firstborn male, yes, the Most High says, "Yes, thank you," is to be his, correct, correct, and be part of the Levitical priesthood. Priesthood, yeah. and if not. Then it needs to be. You need to uh, buy them back. Buy them back. back. Yeah, and it says five silver shekels. Mm -hmm. As you go on and you read the mitzvah, and you're supposed to present that, and then they're released from. But from it's quantitative from 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 that obligation. Yeah. So it is a quantitative thing that has some type of value that's that's put towards it, as well. And I got another one. And while we're talking about it, is that. We also have this thing called your kinsman redeemer. Mm -hmm. 
<laughs> and then we get into all the mitzvot about how. But once again, if we're if we're talking about a kinsman redeemer, mm-hmm. once again, that's quantity. Absolutely. That's quanta. That's quant because it's specific to a re- to a relative. That's correct. Has everything to do with it's, relative. It's specific to a relative. It's not. It's not specific to a foreigner. It's specific to a relative. Your kinsman redeemer is specific to a bloodline relative. Yes, absolutely, absolutely. Uh, The the kinsman redeemer is specific (laughs) to a bloodline relative. Mm -hmm. A bloodline relative. You're emphasizing that for for a reason. I am. I am a bloodline relative. <laughs> well, come on. You, no, you, no, you no, emphasizing no, it. What's no, up? No, no. Come on. You, 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 you all, you all have listened, have listened to me, to Sean and I long enough to know that I don't have to say what I'm saying. I'm saying what I'm saying without saying what I'm saying. <laughs> right. You got to read between the lines on this one. On this one. Yeah. Absolutely. I'm not going to go there. <laughs> I'm going to let it, You know what? Because what this does by us bringing that up and emphasizing it is letting the people... This is something... You, do your homework. Go look that up and go read it in the context. In the mitzvot that talks about a, a kinsman redeemer and what that kinsman redeemer's responsibility is. What that also entails, which again, it is a bloodline relative. So anybody coming to you saying something different, want to springboard and do something else with it, it's not correct. Okay. But I'm not going to give it away. It's homework. Put it in the chat. No, I mean, I, I mean, <laughs> I mean, that, that's an easy one. I'm, I've, 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 said it without, I've said it without saying it. <laughs> that's what I'm saying. It's, a, it's an easy deal. A kinsman redeemer mm-hmm. is a blood relative. That's right. We ain't going to give him no more. <laughs> Let him look it up. Because that's, that's low-hanging fruit. Because I got another one coming up right behind it. Okay, go ahead. No, go no, ahead. no, 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 no. No, 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 did you, no. Did you finish that? I, f- I finished that. I didn't want to go any further there because, like I said, I'm, I'm adamant about that. I mean, because if I'm going to start moving... See, this is the thing. I'm going to take a sidebar real quick. My walk with the Most High got more intimate when I got placed in a position to present and to teach it and actually be able to have to explain it to somebody else. <laughs> So you're never going to get to the point where you need to get to the most high unless you are put on the spot to actually learn it, explain it, and then try to articulate it to somebody else. Homework, kinsman redeemer. Put it in the chat. Tell us what you come up with. It's a blood relative. It's a blood relative. That's what we're going to give you. It's, it's, not, it's not anybody. It's not a blood relative. It's a blood relative. Yep. <coughs> now, in Vayikra, mm-hmm. chapter 23, or chapter 25, ah. okay. and beginning at verse 23, listen, to, now so we're talking about things that are quantitative that you can, that you can prove what redemption is, is all about. Right, right, right. Okay? You said 23 and... 25. 25, okay. 23. Okay. The land is not to be sold in perpetuity because the land belongs to me. This is the most high speaking. Yep. You are only foreigners and temporary residents with me. Therefore, when you sell your property, you must include the right of redemption. 
Mm-hmm. Now there's, see, when you sell what? When you sell your property, your real estate, that's, yes. that's quantity. That's, uh-huh. that's quantitative. Right. That is, if one of you becomes poor and sells some of his property, his next of kin can come and buy back and buy back what his relative sold. Once again, that's a relative. That's right. If the seller has no one to redeem it, but becomes rich enough to redeem it himself, he will calculate the number of years the land was sold for, refund the excess to its buyer, and return this property. If he hasn't sufficient means to get it back himself, then what he sold will remain in the hands of the buyer until the year of Yovel. Mm. In the Yovel, the buyer will vacate it and the seller and the seller returned to his property. The point being here that the text gives us a complete explanation of how this word redeem is used. Mm. It's and, quantitative. Right, and, and you know, well, I'll just get in place. Once again, it's, 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 relate, it's related to a individual who is a kin. It's correct. <laughs> in Leviticus chapter 25 and verse 49, we'll start at verse 47, using, using the definition that we've used. And, I, and, this, and I'm, 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 I'm thinking this morning I'm, as I wake up and I'm saying to the Most High, I says, this, what, what is this thing that's, has people thinking that they're going to be redeemed by somebody's blood Mm-mm. there's there's no context if you if you if you go through and you read you read all of the context that deals with redeemed and redemption there's there's no blood situation in it Except, except maybe there might be a an offering that's made. Mm-hmm. But even in the context of the offering that's made, the primary subjects of redemption are individuals that are blood relatives. That's correct. Except for the Most High, when the Most High says, "I am, I am going to redeem you." Mm-hmm. In other words. If he says, I'm going to redeem you, that means I am going to bring you back from something. Mm-hmm. I exiled you, I'm going to redeem you and bring you back from that exile. Right. That's quantitative. Correct. Correct. Here in, in, in Leviticus 25, and starting at verse 47, mm-hmm. says, if a foreigner living with you has grown rich and the member and a member of your family has become poor and sells himself to his to this foreigner living with you or to a member of the foreigner's family, he may be redeemed after he has been sold. One of his brothers, quantitative, mm-hmm. brother, relative, relative yes. one of his brothers may redeem him or his uncle or his uncle's son may redeem him. Or any near relative of his of the, of his may redeem him, and if he becomes rich, he may redeem himself. 
So at a particular point, if you sold yourself into servitude and then you become rich under servitude under the foreigner, you, so there's a redemptive price that's set. The text doesn't quantify that or, or explain that, but there is a price that's there that says I can, I can redeem myself. So even in that particular instance, in the Most High's explanation of the mitzvot through is through Moshe, you can redeem yourself. Yes. You don't have to have someone, an intercessor, redeem anything. Right. And again, this is the point that, again, I think you're trying to drive home. One of the points you're trying to drive home is the fact that there's no shedding of any blood for redemption. We haven't gone over a mitzvot yet that talked about any blood. No. Hmm. So, I guess in the mind of the Most High, this has nothing to do with... <laughs> no. Not a blood issue at all, other than the fact that, you know, it's a, not physical shedding of blood. Right. So, I mean, so, when you ask Christianum, mm -hmm. what have you been redeemed from, once again, they go, well, I've been redeemed from sin. I get back to the, to the point. You can't be redeemed for sin because your text says if you say you have no sin, you lie and the truth is not in you. Well, what do you say to those individuals that say I was bought with, by, with a price? And, you, and, and come back and say, okay, well. What price were you bought with? The, again, it goes back to so what your see, point is. Yeah, what, the the it shedding gets, it, it gets of, back, of blood. Yeah. It gets back to, to that which is quantitative. What were, you, what were you bought back? In this particular instance that we're dealing here uh, in the mitzvot and in our text, everything is quantitative in relationship to uh, you sold yourself into, into uh, servitude and there comes a time when one of your relatives can buy you out of that and buy you back. And if you happen to get enough money, you can buy yourself out of that. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. But it's, 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 all within, it's all within the family. It's not outside the constraints of the family. Right, right, right. You know what it's kind of like? Now, when I, go ahead, go ahead, go ahead. Go ahead. No. Well, I was going to say, you know, it, what, what I, when I think of something that I can relate to in this day and age that that would be like, that particular misfold, and you can correct me if I'm wrong, it would be like um, you get arrested and you post what? Bail. Bail. So your, 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 your freedom is quantitative. This says, hey, 10%, this is, the court sets a cost of, of your freedom, and then you could possibly, you could pay that full amount, or you could go to a bail bondsman and pay 10% of that amount for your freedom for a particular set of time. I'm not saying that this is exactly the same, but I'm saying that if I had to relate it to something that was relatable to today about a, being bought for the price, you could quantitatively say, okay, that, that's kind of the same thing. Now, let's, let's kind of bring some comparison here in terms of how across the street makes this narrative. Okay. Let's go to Isaiah, Yeshayahu, chapter Yeshayahu. 50. okay. Chapter... 50. 50. I'm right. going to start at verse yes, 1. Yes, you did. You came with a plethora <laughs> chapters and verses today. Yeah, I mean, hey, it's all there. Yes, Yahoo. Excellent. Okay. Yahweh says, where is your mother's divorce document, which I gave her when I divorced her? Now, let's, let's understand this particular text here before we go on any further. Mm -hmm. Where is your mother's 
divorce document. When the Most High says, where is your mother's divorce document? He's talking about Israel. Yes. Okay. He divorced, he divorced the uh, northern kingdom and he separated from the southern kingdom. Mm. Okay. Or to which of my creditors did I sell you? Which the most I you were sold credit. because of your sins, mm -hmm. because of your crimes with your mother. Because of your crimes, was your mother divorced? Why was no one here when I came? Why, when I called, did nobody answer? Is my arm too short to redeem? Mm. Is my arm too short to redeem? No, the Most High is asking a question. Is my arm too short to redeem? Have mm. I too little power to save? Mm -mm. Okay? So now, if we use the... If we use the narrative that says, I and my father are one, then this is where they come to this point of saying that I've been redeemed by JC because the Most High is asking Israel, is my arm too short to redeem? Because he is expressing himself as being the redeemer of Israel, which he is. Yes, the Most High, yes. He is. He absolutely is. But you're going to have to break that one down because I'm not, I'm not resonating with that at all. To say what? that they use that text, well, I mean, this that's, text. That's, that's, the only, that's, the only, that's the only thing in my mind that brings me to the conclusion that they place their redemption in the hands of J.C., because J.C. places himself off as being the same as the Most High L. Mm -hmm. The Most High L said, is my arm too short that to redeem? Mm -hmm. In other words, is, it, is there anything that I, is it, is it impossible for me to redeem you and bring you back? And the issue is here, in this text here, I divorced you, you people. But since I divorced you, I can also, I can also alter that and change that and redeem you and bring you back. So now, when we look across the street, they're talking about, well, I have been bought, I, number, I've been bought with a price. price. The price is his blood. Okay. <laughs> right. Okay. Yeah. And, and the action is that he has said, he, they have placed him in the context of our text of being your, our kinsman redeemer. But once again, once again, if we look, if we look at, at kinsman redeemer in text, mm -hmm. it is a blood relative. That's correct, and that's what I was going to say. When you look, that, I'm glad that you defined that whole entire process. He's a blood relative. Yeah, All of them are blood relatives. So when he's speaking, he's speaking as if, yeah. What is it? What does the text say again? It says, "I was going to divorce." I said, uh, "You were sold because of your sins, because of your crimes, and your mother was divorced." Uh, why was no one here when I came? Why in the world did I think when the first time you read that, if some, I'm going to do the mental gymnastics on that, then uh, if he's talking about Christ here, then where was he? <laughs> because that's what I'm thinking about when you're reading that and I'm saying, okay, 
nobody was here. If Christ is supposed to be the redeemer, then how come he don't show up here? <coughs> and there's point. no mention of him here. That's a good point. This is a rhetorical question to say, because the context upon which we're talking about is that my arms are not too short. I can do anything possible. I've exiled you. I can bring you back. It's within my power to do so without anybody else's help. Me and me alone. So to have, <laughs> that's what I'm saying. I'm trying to do the mental gymnastics is to say, this is how they come up with, because Christ and the Most High are the same, they're one, and that but, just sounds like a schizophrenic person to me, but okay. But you see, I, 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 get, back to the, I get back to the thought process, okay? Just because, just because he said that I and my father are one doesn't make it true. Oh, yeah, we can go to a text that blows that I mean, out of the water. I mean, that it doesn't make it, does, does not make it, does not make it true. Hmm. I mean, the first thing, when you say stuff like that, you know, the first thing that comes up to my is, is that age-old adage that we have in our, our text, Devarim chapter 6, verse 4. Oh, here is Israel. Eya Asheya is one. I am one. I am not many. So, again, if we were going to mention somebody else being you or being a part of somebody else, then why didn't you mention it there? Says I mean, all the stuff don't don't. I mean, when you get over across the street, don't add up. I mean, in in Isaiah mm -hmm. chapter forty four and verse twenty three, he says, "Sing, you heavens, for Yahweh has done it. Shout, you depths of the earth, mountains, speak out in a, into a song, along with every tree in the forest." For Yahweh has redeemed Yaakov. He glorifies him in Israel. Who did it? Yahweh has Most redeemed. High, yeah. What did he? What did he do? He said, "I I brought you back." Mm -hmm. Here is what Yahweh says: Your redeemer, who forms you in the womb. I am Yahweh who makes all things, who stretched out the heavens all alone, who spread out the earth all by myself. I frustrate false prophets. And their omens. I make fools diviners. I drive back sages. I make their wisdom look look silly. I confirm my servants' prophecies and make the messengers' plan succeed. I say to Jerusalem, you shall live. She will be lived in. Of the cities of Yehuda, they will be rebuilt. I will restore their ruins. I say to the deep sea, dry up. I make your streams run dry. I say to Korash. <clears throat> Here is my shepherd. He will do everything I want. He will say to Jerusalem, he will, you will be rebuilt and the temple, your fountain will be laid. But the whole text here is talking about who is doing the redemption. Mm -hmm. I have not heard. I have not heard. I have not heard any text that declares this kind of language spoken by the mouth of a man who calls himself equal with R.L. Yeah. Now, let's close with this one. Okay. Because I love this one. All right. 
This is this, this is, is the fireworks. This is the fireworks. Okay. <laughs> Yeshayahu chapter forty four. Forty four. Let's get him. Forty four. All right, I'm with you. Now listen, Yaakov, my servant. That's Israel. Mm-hmm. Israel, whom I have chosen. Thus says Yahweh, who made you, forms you in the womb and will help you. Don't be afraid, Yaakov, my servant. Then he uses this word, Yeshurun, yeah. which is simply a word that means upright or straight. Mm-hmm. Okay? Whom I have chosen. For I will pour water on the thirsty land, streams on the dry ground. I will pour out my spirit on your descendants, mm. my blessings on your offsprings. They will spring up among the grass like willows on the willow banks. All of this text right here in 44 is talking about a time of redemption. Mm -hmm. It's talking about a time that's going to take place either, either in or prior to the Messianic era, which is the time of redemption. Mm -hmm. One will say, I belong to Yahweh. Another will be called by the name Yaakov. Yet another will write that he belongs to Yahweh and adopt the surname Israel. Well, we know who that is. Correct. Now, this is this is this is there the verse. Is. Yep. This is the verse that you can't argue with. I don't see how you can argue with this and then go and claim somebody else to be to be to be El. Mm. Thus says Yahweh. Okay, stop. All right. Now I got it. Stop. Because <clears throat> I got to pull a page out of your book. You went over that a couple of podcasts ago. And even in your Shabbat teaching, you had a situation with a family member where you're trying to say the name of the Most High. Now, when it's written in their text, what does that say? It doesn't. It doesn't say that there. It just says God or, or Lord. So, they don't. <laughs> so when they when they read it, they're gonna say, "Okay, that's talking about JC." It's not. And it's not. And that's the problem. Is the is the nomenclature and the semantics that's being used to lead you astray to cover up the name of the Most High? You don't even associate that with the Most High, so we don't even read it the same way. So. When they're reading it, it's like, oh, yeah, sure. Yeah. It says, thus says uh, the Lord or God. Well, who is God to you? Some people, that's Jesus Christ. Exactly. So they're going to insert him there. Yes. yes. And that's which the he doesn't why, belong. And that's, why, and that's the reason why I have said over and over and over and over and over again, <laughs> every Bible that's on the market except the scriptures, which are Hebrew writings, mm -hmm. and... Um, 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 yeah, even with Stern, the one Stern, Stern just Stern's falls writing, this, yeah. Uh, with the exception of those writings, every Bible that's out there is of a European persuasion mm -hmm. who's... who's uh, uh, fundamental purpose is to bring you Christ from the beginning of time. Yeah, by That's the inserting agenda. 
by inserting the words Lord and God, which historians, historians who are students of, of Bibles have purported to say that the Masoretic text is the truest and most correct writing of scripture there is out there, where, whereas in these Eurocentric Bibles, the word God and Lord have replaced the Most High's name 60, over 68,000 times in scripture mm. by using God, God and Lord. or Lord. Wow. Whereas in the Masoretic text, it uses the yod heh vav heh to express the name of the Most High. Mm. So now we get down here yep. to Isaiah chapter 44, 44. Yep. verse 6. Thus says Yahweh, Israel's king and redeemer. Now, now we've already, we've already indicated that redemption is quantitative. Mm -hmm. He said to Israel, I redeemed you with a strong harm. I, re I, I redeemed you from a life of slavery. Mm -hmm. So he's proven historically that he can take a people out of their condition and, and, and redeem them and put them in a, in a more positive environment. Right. That's his redemption. Right. In the final redemption, he's talking about bringing Israel out of the, out of the diaspora of the nations to which he's, he's disport, disport them to and redeeming them, collecting them together and bringing them back to the land that he disproves them out of. I, I kicked you out, I can bring you back, back in. Yep. Okay? Mm -hmm. Now, the text goes on to say, Thus says Yahweh, Israel's king and redeemer, Yahweh Sava'od, that means Yahweh of hosts, mm -hmm. I am the first and I am the last. Beside me there is no El. Who is like me? Let him speak. Let him speak. So mm -hmm. now, if we go across the street and ask this guy, are you like him? Because he's asking a question. Who's like me? Mm -hmm. Let him speak out. Let him show me clearly what has been happening mm -hmm. since I set the eternal people. Since I set the eternal people. Since I set the eternal people. Mm -hmm. Since I set the eternal people. Why am I repeating that? Because there is an eternal people and that eternal people are not foreigners. That's correct. Right? Agree. Let him foretell future signs and events. Let's go back over here to, uh, and I'm going to get to it in, the, mm. in my next teaching when I teach. Because uh, this, is, this back, is back to forty. Yeah, this is an interesting uh, piece here. I mean, when you read it in seven, when you get back, to, yeah, when you get back to forty, I'm and I, I'm, I'm going to teach this in the next lesson. Okay, because I didn't finish all forty. All, all, all forty. Since I set the eternal people, keep put a pin in that. Mm -hmm. Now we go to Isaiah chapter 40, mm -hmm. and we're going to start at verse 15. All right. He says, now, your, the text across the this says, for El so loved the world right. that he gave his only begotten son. son. Yeah. Listen to that text. Does that text resonate with what we're getting ready to read here in Isaiah 44, 15. Mm -hmm. The nations, that's the world, mm -hmm. are like a drop in a bucket. Mm -hmm. They count like a grain of dust on the scales. 
Insignificant. Insignificant. <laughs> the islands weigh the islands weigh as little as specks of dust. Mm-hmm. The Lebanon would be suffice for fuel, or its animals be enough for burnt offerings. Before him, him, mm-hmm. who's the him, the Yahweh. most high, yep. all nations are like nothing. He regards them as less than nothing. nothing. So now, <laughs> how are you going to tell me if the most, the most high looks at the nations? Now, he's already set and called the 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 set apart nations, and we just read that mm-hmm. in in fifty five. Mm-hmm. Okay, that's right. He's called Israel a special nation of people, and in light of that special nation of of people, all the other nations are like nothing. And he regards them as less than nothing. Wow. So now, if he regards them, but you say, but you say you are him and he is you. Mm -hmm. But his thoughts are not your thoughts. His ways are not your ways. (laughs) So we got got a conflict going on here with you trying to, with with JC trying to purport himself off as being I and my father are one. You're not one. Your thought processes are not the one. Right. You love the world, and he says, he says, as far as I'm concerned, I don't care about them. That's right. They're a speck of dust to me. I don't, they're, they're, they're insignificant to me, which is another point here, too, um, to add is the fact that doesn't he also say, I can only do the things that my father tells me to do? He doesn't even acknowledge <laughs> you oh, himself. Then you, then you weren't listening. <laughs> <laughs> but listen, let's go on. He asked a question in verse 18, okay? Mm-hmm. Because when you say that you and I, you and, and, and you and EA, Asher, EA are, are one, he says, with whom then will you compare El? By what standard will you evaluate him? You know what? See, this prophet need to stop talking to me right now. Upon which standard do you say, oh, even if you go across the street, how do you evaluate? How do Come you, on. How do, how you, do you evaluate, evaluate that? By you what standard will you evaluate him? If he's supposed to be God incarnate in the flesh, then what standard are you evaluating that by? What benchmark did you say when he presented himself to you? As a matter of fact, all you Hebrews did the right thing. When he said, when you eat my flesh and drink my blood, you did the right thing and got your behind up and left. And left. <laughs> because this don't measure up to nothing because they knew what the mitzvot were by the <coughs> words that come out of your mouth. By the things that the, you you enact and you, the way that you behave, you show that the benchmark upon which we are to measure, the rod that we are to measure you by, you don't meet that standard. So we don't have anything to do with you. Which is the prophet is speaking. And even as you're speaking, look at the, I'm looking at this component because you talked about prayer last time when yeah, you got up and spoke. Yeah, I did. And as this prophet like you literally is like using because when you under the understand the structure of how these individuals pray, you understand that a lot of this is this adoration by saying who is great as you who who can stand and this is what they're doing. It's like they're having what, an open conversation. What, what standard? What standard can you? What standard are you using to compare him with? <laughs> I mean, who is, who is like me? 
And what standard are you using to compare him to me? Let's use an example. Let's use an example. Because I know you're a sports guy. Is LeBron James the GOAT? And at what standard are you comparing him to? What is the benchmark that <laughs> see, you are comparing see, him to? See, see, <laughs> see that, that's an argument among, amongst sportsmen who will never ever, in light of uh, a guy named Michael Jordan, <laughs> ever allow anybody to be called the greatest of all times in the realm of basketball other than him. And there are many schools of thought that, that are out there. I mean, LeBron has done some significant many things. And the comparison to make him the GOAT is compared to how many rings he has. Right. As compared to what he has. So, so in that light, if that's the standard, see, if, if, if a multiplicity of rings is the standard that makes you the GOAT, mm -hmm. then we have to compare LeBron James to that standard. That's right. See? That's but right. But when it comes to the Most High, when the Most High says, wait a minute, who, <laughs> who are you going to compare him to? I mean, I'm, first of all, I'm going to give you a laundry list of everything that I've done. Correct. All the rings that I've won. <laughs> I'm going to give you a laundry <laughs> list of all the things I've done. Right. Now, does this person compare to that? Or... Does this person show up and he says, oh, but he and I are the same. Mm, nah. <laughs> I, right. Oh, and by the way, I'm gonna, I'm gonna, I'm gonna, I'm gonna, I'm gonna convince you, and I'm gonna say, when the heavens and the earth were 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 created, I was with him. Mm. Oh, that, that's that's oh yeah, 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 yeah. Yeah, you got to be a tag-along person. You can't stand on your own merits because literally you come down here, even if I was to evaluate the miracles that this individual had produced, they're, but, not, ev they're not even coming close. Yeah, but, but mortal you, men did yeah, some but of that you stuff. Yeah, but you see, I can't compare his miracles because the miracles that he has wrought have been done before. That's correct, and that, that's what I alluded to. If you look at Elisha, you look at Elijah, all these individuals, raising folks from the dead, that's nothing new. That's... If that's what you want to count, the greatest thing, walking on water, how about parting it? How about taking a people that was, like you had eloquently put, redeeming a people? You couldn't even redeem 12 folk. <laughs> that's all you had at the end of the day. <laughs> and I'm, I, see, this is, I'm getting, I'm, I'm getting on the wrong spot because <laughs> this is really not about him. This is really trying to reach out to individuals to say, evaluate the data that's in front of you. Stop letting individuals get in front of you and preach this gospel that you cannot even quantify qualify it. by doing the deductive reasoning. You've got this cognitive dissonance because literally you're amongst other people and it allows you to do whatever you want to do. But if you say that you have a heart for the most high and your mind and spirit is has a love for the most high then why aren't you understanding what the benchmark is upon which you're evaluating this person that you're putting as the head of your life you don't even know what that's like saying again that's like me coming to you and saying uh uh let me see uh let me use somebody i'm not to demean this person but that's like saying okay well uh uh Kawhi leonard is the goat he's the goat and by which, what are you measuring him by to say that?
Well, I don't know. I, I just think he's the GOAT. You don't have any criteria. And that's the problem. You're putting this person as your Lord and Savior, but you don't even understand the benchmark upon which to measure him by. So well, I guess he will be the GOAT well, for you. you brought up a good example because <laughs> Kawhi Leonard doesn't always show up. <laughs> <laughs> exactly. He doesn't always show up. <laughs> And yeah, again, Mike. So the question, the question comes back to our text. Your evaluation is your evaluation based on somebody that shows up. Listen, listen. I can testify that in my life, mm. since I have become Hebraic, and since I have governed my life and 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 repented of my wickedness. Mm. I can testify that the Most High has always showed up for me. Absolutely. Here, here. Same deal. Here, here. I'm with you on that one, too. He's always showed up for me. Ain't skipped a beat. Hmm. You almost need to let that rest right where that is. <laughs> I think we shall. This has been Rabbi Robert B. Holman, Jr. And, and Sean Appleton. This has been... Hebrews in exile. Shalom. All right, that's good.